What up, guys? It's JP from the Double Double, and today I am here with my co-host, Ben. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. And today we're going to give out some rookie report cards. Uh, we are going to grade all of the rookies that were selected from last year's draft on a grade scale from A to F based on how they've performed as rookies and how they've performed up to the expectations we had for them prior to them being drafted. So let's just hop right into it. We're going to start with Paolo Bancaro. I gave him an A. Uh, he has lived up exactly to what I thought he would be. Um, in summer league, I had changed my mind from Chet being the best player in the draft to Paolo. I just viewed Paolo as a number one option, a scoring beast. Um, and just like as a big, big body that teams aren't just going to be able to handle. Um, and he's lived exactly up to that. So I gave him an A. I think A is fine. I think A or A minus is probably where I have him. And that has to do with the inefficiency that he's had this year. But in terms of statistical output, if you're just looking at, you know, points, rebounds, assists a game, 27 and four out of a rookie, there aren't many rookies just even in the 2000s that have put up numbers like that. Um, And if you go back and look like I had a good conversation with this on the TikTok, I asked, is there a rookie of the year race? Like, does Jalen Williams have a shot? Uh, LeBron James, true shooting, his rookie year was 49%. If you're a number one option and you're taking that many shots and you're a rookie, you're just not going to be that efficient. Um, And I don't think you can knock Paolo for that. Being the number one option so quickly for the Magic, I think A is a good place to put him. Yeah, and I think we've seen this with guys. You mentioned LeBron. We saw it with Ant Edwards too, right? Where it was just, he was a number one option because D'Angelo Russell and Cat were hurt basically the entire season. and they were hunting this 18-year-old. Um, they were scheming all defenses around this one 18-year-old kid. No shit, his efficiency is going to struggle. So I'm okay with the struggles for Paolo right now. I think moving on, that those will get cleared up. Yeah, he's a guy who's making all NBA teams in the future. And I think it's pretty clear if you just watch the first month of the season and you think about projecting that forward, if he can do that sort of thing consistently, you know, three years down the line, putting up 24 points a game on 50% field goal percentage, eight free throws a game, like all of it together. Paolo Bancaro is definitely the right choice at number one. And I think you got to give him an A. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to Chet, obviously he's out for the season. So we're just going to give him an incomplete, but I'm sure he's going to be a great player. And I think he will garner an A rating as well. Yes, I agree. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. at number three. This is an interesting one. Uh, He's played six really good games recently, but I think if you give him anything higher than a C, I'm probably upset with you. I'm going to give him a C minus. I gave him a C. Um, He's kind of living up to what I thought he was going to be, a decent defensive player who can kind of only catch and shoot. And we're starting to see a little bit more um, efficiency from him in these last seven games, but the whole season he was struggling in terms of efficiency. And if he's not a guy who can hit the shots he's taking, he kind of just becomes a guy who plays pretty good defense. And that's not what you drafted him at three to be, but he's slowly starting to live up to why they drafted him. Yes. And without that good defense, he would be, you know, D minus range. Um, He plays really good perimeter defense. He's fluid. He can block shots. He can stay in front of guys. Obviously the Rockets are pathetic on defense. So it's not like those efforts are shining very bright. But right. he is a good defender. Yes. Um, Keegan Murray, number four. This is an interesting one. I almost feel like give him an A minus. Um, Keegan Murray is kind of a jack of all trades, but he's a master at the three point shot. Um, he has a potential to break the record for most threes made by a rookie in a season. He's yeah. getting pretty close. Um, shooting forty one percent from the three point line on six attempts a game. It's really all he's out there to do for the most part. But he's so good at it. Yeah, and that's why I gave him a B plus because, yes, he's incredible at three-point shooting. There's not a whole lot left to say about Keegan Murray. Like, in terms of defense, I think he's below average. In terms of a ball handler, below average. Playmaking, below average. Um, Just scoring outside of three-point shooting is something he's not awesome at, but because the system revolves around just constant three-point looks and he has perfected it, he's exceeded my expectations for him as a rookie already, because I think we both thought he was ready-made for the NBA going into the draft last year, but he's like a plus role player right now because of how well he's shooting that three ball. Yeah. And I think I might push back a little bit on him being a below average defender. Um, Playmaking wise. Yes. 
Um, but I think Keegan Murray's a solid defender. I think when you watched him in college, he put up like 1.7 steals and 1.7 blocks a game. Yeah. And I think that's still in him. Um, the fact that the Kings have Sabonis as their main rim protector, I think hurts him a little bit, but I wouldn't call him a below average defender. I just see him and Harrison Barnes get eaten up too much on the perimeter. Um, I think they they kind of provide runways to Sabonis, um, which obviously doesn't help the team at all because Sabonis struggles at defense. Uh, so I don't know. I just think he's a little bit below average. But in terms of, you know, we're talking positively here because he's a great rookie. I mean, that three-point shot is deadly. You mentioned it. He might make the most threes out of any rookie in NBA history. That is something to brag about if you're a Kings fan. Yeah, and he's doing it not as the main guy. Like, the top two right now are Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell in terms of most threes made by a rookie. Those guys had the ball in their hands at all times. Keegan Murray has probably the lowest touches on anybody in the top five or six or ten in terms of threes made by a rookie. Um, all he does is get that ball in the corner or on the wings and hit threes at an unbelievable level, like more. I think he's, I, I've done this a couple of times so far in the season. I think he's 10th or eighth in terms of catch and shoot threes taken this year. And he's shooting them at 42%. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all, but just the offensive engine they run there in Sacramento and his skill set, which is just like you mentioned, he has perfected the catch and shoot three. So he'll have a long career in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Jaden Ivy at number five, I gave him a C. Um, I'm notoriously low on Jaden Ivey. I've had people telling me that he's, you know, getting better as the season gets on. I will admit plainly to you guys, I stay away from Pistons games like it's the plague. Um, so I used to watch a lot of the Pistons at the beginning of the season, and I was just super discouraged by Jaden Ivey. Uh, a lot of energy, a ton of athleticism, the engines going 100 miles per hour. It didn't seem like there was more to his game other than athleticism. Some people are telling me his jump shooting's improved. Um, his decision making's getting better. That's something I can only really figure out if I'm locked in on Pistons games, and I just haven't been. So I'm going to stick with my gut here and just say he's a C because he kind of just feels like a, a guy to me right now that has the ball in his hands. I'm not that much different. I'm going to give him a C plus, and I'm going to vibe for his playmaking. Um, the beginning of the season, so when Jaden Ivey was in college, what we saw was he played on a bad team and pretty much the most efficient shot every single time was him. Um, he didn't have as much of a willingness to pass the ball and he wasn't an excellent passer and we weren't sure like is it the teammates or is it the skill set, but over the last two months, I want you to look at his assist numbers over the last two months. He's had double digit assists in four games over the last three weeks. Um, he's improved tremendously as a playmaker in terms of just like every shot does not have to be Jaden Ivy shot. Um, I think he's always got the skill, but for too long, he was just trying to take every single shot in existence and he's done better at shooting less and passing more. Yeah. And the efficiency with him is a little scary. Obviously we mentioned it with Paolo, right? He's a number one option. The efficiency is going to be pretty pretty bad with heart with ivy it's kind of a similar deal because kate is out he is kind of a de facto number two behind bogdanovich um and i think he loves being a number two i think next year he'll be a number three and maybe even a four so i don't know how he'll take that but you know in terms of just a guy who loves taking shots you know 41 percent from the floor and 33 percent from three not stuff you can super brag about so i'm gonna stay kind of like middling on Jay, uh, Jaden Ivey. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm a fan or not. I don't think that that's crazy. I think Jaden Ivey has proved his ability to play make as an off-ball guard. Um, I think definitively that's true. As a scorer, I have still just a load of questions. Um, but I think when you put Cade back into the lineup, Jaden Ivey is going to be a great extra passer. Um, when you're a score first guard, though, and you are maybe by the numbers the worst defender in basketball, like you can't be any higher than that. I'm not high on Jaden Ivy's, Ivy's scoring and he may never be a good defender, but I'm very comfortable with the passing. That's I, I would almost say I'm more comfortable with his scoring than him as a passer. I think, you know, you add Cade back up and back into the lineup. You have Bogdanovich. You're probably going to have another draft pick come into that locker room. That's going to be involved in the offense. I think Jaden Ivey catching and running full speed to the hoop and catching and shooting is something I can actually see him growing into. What I have trouble seeing him grow into is being a like competent, responsible playmaker with the ball game in and game out. Um, 
I don't know. I guess we differ there a little bit, but that's what that's why we're having this conversation. I've watched a couple uh, bits. I haven't watched whole Piston game recently, but I've watched some minutes of Jaden Ivey just because I heard that he was improving as a playmaker and I wanted to see it with my, for myself. But he's at five assists a game. Um, yeah. So obviously the Pistons suck and it doesn't really matter. Those assists don't mean anything. But when you put Cade back in the lineup, Cade's a seven assist guy a game and Jaden Ivey's now the guy who you know, in a Tyrese Maxey-esque role, put the ball in his hands and he immediately makes a decision with it. I'm yeah. comfortable with that level of passing. As a main playmaker, no way. But as an right. off-ball guard who's not going to be a ball stopper, I think that's where we're at. If Tyrese Maxey is his playmaking comp, I'm fine with it because Maxey catches the ball and gets rid of it. Maxey's not this like master manipulator playmaker. Um, and I don't, think he's even like an above app like maybe in games he can do it but that's not his primary role I um, mean uh Maxi in terms of you just give him the ball and he makes a decision Jaden Ivey's right. not a guy I want running a pick and roll over and over again um I want you know when there's an opening and you give it to Jaden Ivey if he exploits an opening if there's a guy open somewhere he'll find him okay if that's the ceiling you're giving him as a playmaker I'm comfortable with that nothing more for me because Tyrese Maxey's a guy who averages four assists a game that's what I see for Ivy I just see Ivy as a guy who catches the ball and either shoots it or gets rid of it and if he sticks to that I'm okay with it I think I could see Ivy at like five assists a game um which is what he's at right now I think I could see him hold that with Cade coming back um because he's only gonna improve right with Cade and a draft pick coming into that I don't, I don't, I think that draft pick is going to be Brandon Miller and Brandon Miller is averaging one assist a game. I think Brandon Miller is a better playmaker than Jaden Ivey. Interesting. I think he could be, I think he could be, but if you put him on this Pistons, it doesn't matter. It's a, that's a conversation for a whole other time. Jaden Ivey, I think has proved something as a playmaker, five assists a game. um, I think proves something. Let's move on. Number six, Benedict Matherin. Um, I think I'm going to give him a C plus. Um, Ben Matherin is averaging 17 points a game, but he has kind of one of the lowest passing rates of any of the rookies. He wants to shoot every single time he gets the ball. And I don't love that, especially when you look at his percentages. Yeah. Massive ball hog. I gave him a B minus, uh, just for the fact that he is the second leading scorer among rookies. Uh, you can't deny that he's a bucket, but there are some real holes in his game in terms of just passing. He competes on the defensive end, but I wouldn't call him a great defender. Um, usually rookies aren't. So I'm kind of giving him a pass on that, but just in terms of like an offensive player, the efficiency is not there. Probably takes too many shots. Doesn't know how to pass out of bad, like bad, you know, situations, not a lot to brag about other than the fact that he has unbelievable confidence. He had a great start to the year this year, and he's going to be a 15 plus point per game guy his entire career. It's just what else can he add to his game from here that I'm kind of looking for? Yes. The next step for Ben Matherin is to understand when I'm being double teamed, there's somebody open. Like I do not have to fade away and take a mid range shot. Um, His passing rate, like, It's not just the numbers. I understand the gameplay of the Pacers is Tyrese Halliburton is your creator and they move fast, fast, fast. When he passes you the ball, you shoot it. But just watch Ben Matherin drive to the hoop and watch where his eyes are. He doesn't look for his teammates for even a second. Right. Right. And that's, that's something that needs to change because, you know, if Tyrese gets doubled and then they give it to Matherin and then Matherin can make better decisions because it's like a, it's a four on three type situation that completely is, opens up the Pacers offense to another level. It's already great with Halliburton, but if they have another guy out there that can make competent decisions with the basketball, another level is added. And I think moving forward, they are still a young team. I think they're going to expect that from Mather and moving forward. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Uh, moving on to Shaden Sharp. This one's an interesting one. Um, I don't know entirely how to feel about him. He's the kind of guy who impacts winning when he scores, but he doesn't really impact winning in any other level. Um, I kind of think I have to give him a C minus here. What do you think? I gave him a D. Okay. Um, I gave him a D. We've seen some flashes from him. If you thought Matherin was a ball hog, check out this guy. Um, he refuses to pass. Uh, it's fucking crazy. And, you know, he's talented. We've seen he has a better career highlight package than Kawhi Leonard. Um, And he's played 70 games. Like 
this dude is a he's he's on Vince Carter level territory of highlight packages. He's a rookie. So in terms of just like guys that are fun to watch every once in a while, he's up there. But in terms of like what I thought he could be, no way. Like he's super inconsistent, doesn't try on defense, doesn't pass the ball, doesn't rebound the ball. He's just there to take shots. I don't love that style of gameplay. So I gave him a D. I think that's totally fair. Um, next up on the list, Dyson Daniels. Dyson Daniels is an unbelievable defender and the offense probably isn't there yet. Um, Dyson Daniels, the question with him is kind of about what he can be because right now he's averaging 19 minutes and putting up four, three, and two. Yeah. Um, but I kind of want to put him above Shaden Sharp. I kind of want to give him a C minus again. Yeah, I, I gave him a B. B. Uh, yeah, I gave him a B. Um, he's more than I expected him to be at this point. My expectations for him. Uh, yeah, he's only playing 19 minutes a game, but there was a stretch there where he was locking up Luca and settling down the bench unit as the main guard. I don't know why that has changed. Um, I will be honest with our listeners. I haven't watched much Pelican since Zion went down, but I, when Zion was playing, I was watching that team like no other. And I was impressed with what I saw from Daniels. So um, I don't know what has changed and the numbers don't really do it justice Four, three and two. Like that does not explain what he is as a playmaker, as a connective offensive piece, as a guy who can hit an open three occasionally, I guess his percentage has cratered because earlier in the year he was at like 38. Now yeah. he's at 30. Um, but he is better than I thought. And when you can legitimately say, Hey, I'm going to put this guy on the best guard on the opposite team and feel really good about it. That, that, gets points from me yeah he was at 38 percent from three for a while and that's down to 30 percent. and i think so i won't give him a c minus i think i'll go to c plus uh because his defense is incredible but i don't want him to be the next herb jones um you know he's a playmaker on offense he can do playmaking but if he can't score ever i'm a little bit worried on what that career path looks like even though he's such a dog defensively yeah, I think Herb Jones is actually an okay comparison for him, just a playmaking Herb Jones, because right now there's not a whole lot else going on, but you know he's going to tear up defense, uh, tear up offenses when he's out there. So, you know, if you want to take the blow and put him out there with four other guys that are more offensively focused, I like that idea. Um, but, you know, he is what he is. He slightly exceeded expectations for me. I did not anticipate him being the level of defender that he is already. And I kind of thought he would be a guy who struggled scoring, but was good at passing. And that's kind of what he is to me. So he, he got a B for me. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to let you take the, the grading first for Jeremy Sohan. This is your guy. You've been on him since the beginning here of this draft process. What's your grade for Sohan? He's an A. He's an A. He's a game wrecker on defense, complete culture changer. Uh, efficiencies, meh. 45% from the floor. That's where he does most of his work. 26% from three. We're going to need to see that jump eventually, but he's 70% from the free throw line. And folks, I want to, I want to say something. He sucked from the free throw line for a long time. And he made the conscious decision to go to the one handed free throw. And he has been shooting lights out from the free throw line since he's done that. So he's no longer a guy you can just foul and put to the line to save your team. He will punish you for it. Um, 11, 5, and 3. And being a very good defender that can completely alter games with the energy he brings, that guy's an A to me. And at the pick number 9, yeah. I'm going to go with an A- minus um, for basically all of the reasons you said, except production-wise, I'm not sure yet. The jump shot, uh, we had a moment where there was like, he shot 36% from three for an entire month. What's about to happen? But the numbers yeah. <laughs> since January 1st are 30% from three, which I think is more accurate. Um, at Overall in the season, he's at 26%. That feels a bit low relative to what he can be and what he's been this season. But as a game wrecker on defense, he's unbelievable. And then as a guy who can play make, legitimately play make, he's got a really nice ball handle. He yeah. wants to get his teammates involved. Um, is he a guy forever who is just a menace scoring inside, but then can never space the floor out anymore? It's possible, yeah. um, but I trust him to work on it. I trust him to work his ass off. I think that's what we see from him. So if there's anybody who can add that, it's probably him. And that's what I fucking love about this guy is we saw in real time 
massive improvement in a very short amount of time. Yes. How and many for- guys are willing to take a one-handed free throw? It, just for optics. Like, yeah. it's too embarrassing to do, so people won't do it. Shaq has talked about this. Um, like, he would rather shoot 49% from the free throw line than do underhand or one-handed. Um, I'd rather shoot 70% one-handed. And Sohan seems to have that same mindset. I trust that at some point he will be a league average three-point shooter just because of the success we've seen with the free throw shot. And it happened so quickly. Is he like supercharged Draymond Draymond Green? Potentially, or I think he could be Scotty Barnes, except you drafted him nine instead of four. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love his defense. It sucks because he's on the Spurs and like nothing he does matters. And none of the defensive numbers paint him as some great defensive guy, but that's, like, watch him. He's a guy where the eye test tells you everything you need to know. Yes. Johnny Davis, let's do this one really quick. Uh, we could even say it together. One, two, three, F. Uh, <laughs> All right, moving on. Uzmani Jang, he's played 400 minutes this year. Um, probably another F or a D or a D minus. I had um, F. I, so I think the thing about Usmani Jang versus Johnny Davis is we knew Usmani Jang was a project. We knew he was not going to be a rookie who could play serious minutes. He was probably going to spend most of the year in the G League. We thought Johnny Davis was going to score more than 35 points this season. Right. Um, We knew, like you said, Usmani Zhang would be a project. I fucking hated that pick when it happened. I texted (laughs) you when it happened. I was like, I despise that. I thought Mark Williams or Jalen Duran was the option there. Mm Mm-hmm. Looking at that now, I'm a genius. Um, but Usmani Zhang has just been a disappointment. Uh, he kind of doesn't know how to play basketball. He's just 6'11 and can dribble. And it's very impressive to watch, but he's not a basketball player. You know, Sam Presti deserves all the credit he gets for drafting, but this is, in my opinion, a miss. Yeah, and I don't think there's honestly a single problem with it. I, I truly don't. At the time, it was poor. And at the time, you know, Jalen Duran probably was the guy. He probably should have taken him and Jalen Williams. But when you knew Jalen Williams was going to be a plus guy, you needed a home run swing. If you wanted to take a home run swing, not many six eleven guys can handle the ball like Usmani Jang. And if you could put other skills into him, like he could be a guy one day, but from what we've seen from him so far, nothing, really nothing. Nothing of note, nothing yeah. to brag about. If you're an OKC fan. Yeah. Moving on to Jalen Williams, probably my favorite rookie. I have done more PR for Jalen Williams this season, it feels like, than anybody else. Uh, I'm giving him an A. I would love to give him an A+. Plus, and I, fuck it, honestly, I'm giving him an A+. Plus. I gave him uh, an A+. Plus as well. 14 points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals a game, second win shares among rookies, yes. killing it in the year 2023 this year. Unbelievable play from Jalen Williams. You didn't expect that when you were drafting him at 12. I think I'm giving him an A+. Plus. Yeah, I'm giving him an A-plus as well. Um, He was kind of this late riser in the process of like, oh, he could go in the 20s. And then you started hearing his name in the lottery. And then he gets selected 12. And you start hearing about his measurements, right? He's six foot six, but he has a seven foot three wingspan. Just kind of this like go-go gadget type body. And you heard he could ball handle because he was a point guard when he started college. But then he grew a few inches and became a forward. And we're kind of seeing everything come together, right? Like he's great at, you know, making the extra play or just setting guys up for good shots. He's great at driving, using his size. He's great at defense and playing passing lanes with that wingspan we heard so much about. He kind of became everything that, you know, people were talking about, except people didn't know him as a prospect because he played at Santa Clara, which is not some like awesome division one school it's not the dukes it's not the ncs it's not the arizonas or houston's or whatever right um but he has been incredible and he has really really impressed me i thought he was going to be a good role player i thought he was a double it turns out he was a triple or a home run um so that's why he gets an a plus for me in the 33 games in the start of the new year jalen williams is averaging 16 points five rebounds 3.8 assists and 2.1 steals shooting 52 percent from the field and 38 percent from three the efficiency is what makes that crazy he's been shooting 52 percent from the field all season right but the the three point is like really kind of the knock you can have on him for Mm -hmm. him to be shooting close to 40 percent for a decent stretch here now you know, just projecting forward what that could mean for him as a player 
is very important. If that's a figure that can stay relatively, you know, close to moving forward in his career, like this is a guy who could sneak into some all-star games. I know you think maybe even further than that. Yeah. So actually I love this. So I just listed off his stats after January 1st, his stats before January 1st, 11 points, four rebounds, 2.5 assists, less than one steal a game, 51, 30, 76 splits. So the jump in the new year for Jalen Williams has been unbelievable, truly. Um, And I think A-plus is kind of where you have to put him. For sure. For sure. And I think just OKC fans, you know, if you're an OKC fan, you have SGA doing what he's doing. And then this draft, you got Chet, who's going to be good. It's just, there's no world where Chet Holmgren's not a good role player, or at least probably a few time all-star. And then you get Jalen Williams at 12 in the same draft. Like you're on cloud nine. Absolutely. Moving on to Jalen Duran. This guy's a beast. Jalen Duran was, I'm pretty sure the youngest in last year's draft class. And right out the gate, he was an absolute freak athlete and a monster. Some of the defensive showings that we've seen from him, I don't think the consistency's there. But if we see a guy who's jumping 38 inches into the air to swat shots like consistently and his defensive awareness is there, he's going to be a beast. I think this is a B plus to A minus. Okay, I gave him an A. Okay. Uh, because if you can at 13 get a guy who's going to put up a double-double for you for the next decade unquestioned, that's crazy impressive. And I think he could kind of do what Rob Williams is doing for the Celtics now, where it's like, 11 points, 10 boards, like two assists, but like a very good ball mover and playmaker and be a defensive anchor. You get that at 13 and he's the youngest player in the draft too. So there's some room to experiment with this offensive game. Uh, This isn't a guy who's just going to be dunking the rest of his career. I think we've seen some glimpses from him in the post, surprisingly. Um, So I just think the value they got at that spot. I liked him as a prospect already. There was, like you said, you mentioned inconsistency. There were some issues with him at Memphis with just night in, night out. He is locked in. And for whatever reason, things have changed for him in the NBA. And I just think moving forward, that's a guy I want to tie my bandwagon to. Yeah, no. And I'm, I was actually saying a little bit of inconsistency defensively this year. Uh, Memphis, certainly there were some moments, but defensively this year, like there's some times where he looks like Dwight Howard. And then there's some times where he doesn't. There's some times where it's obvious he's a rookie and he's struggling. Um, But the freakish blocks that he pulls off are incredible. My question for him, I think the reason I'm putting him at an A- minus is I'm not sure what the growth looks like for Jalen Durant. I don't think he'll be a guy they give post-ups to, even though that turnaround jumper is beautiful. Like there's just more efficient looks in the NBA. Um, he may be a guy forever that just dunks the ball as hard as humanly possible and is also one of the best offensive rebounders in basketball. Um, So I don't know what the growth looks like, but even if he's this player, if he's like 10% better for the rest of his career, like he's a great starter. Yeah. Yeah. He is a dominant rebounder. Yeah. Dominant already as an 18 year old. And I think the, the level of like the place to improve for him is honestly just free throw shooting. If he can become a competent free throw shooter, teams aren't going to be able to hack his ass in the paint. And he's just going to punish them on the boards over and over and over again. And he's just going to get Cade extra looks. He's going to get open looks near the near the rim off of offensive rebounds. That's kind of what I see for him. And that's part of it. Because if he became a 78% free throw shooter, he's spacing the floor also. Like that means he's got the touch to shoot a mid-range shot. Sure. Um, so until that comes, like that would be amazing for him. Even if that never happens, he's still a quality starter and a great pick. Right. At 13, for you to get the value you just got, like a quality starter, very uncommon. Good pick for Detroit. Yes. Moving on to Ochai Baji. Interesting movement from here, from him, drafted by the Cavs, moved immediately for Donovan Mitchell, and then stuck in the bottom of the bench behind Malik Beasley and Mike Conley forever. Now that they've been traded, he's been playing pretty good minutes his last 25, 26 games. And he's an excellent spot-up three-point shooter. I don't think he's anything else. Um, So I'm confused at what I give him. I think he's somewhere in the C range, maybe C+. I gave him a C um, just because he didn't play for such a decent amount of the season. And it wasn't because of injury. It was just, hey, we don't think you're ready. Um, But once he came in, 
he's been pretty good. I mean, the stats won't say it like six points, but there have been games where he's popped. Um, and personally, as a Cavs fan, as the team who drafted him, I would take him over Isaac Okoro right, right now. And I don't know if that's saying much, but this is a guy who defends decently well on the wing, can shoot threes at a, a decent clip. Um, I believe, what is he shooting, right? 38% from three. Like, that is very respectable. Obviously, unlimited attempts. Um, but I just, yeah, I respect him as a player. I think there's some some very plus role player value in Ochai Baji moving forward in his career. Yeah, over the last 30 games, he's putting up nine points on 40% three-point shooting. Four attempts a game. There you go. Um, so even if he only does that forever, that's a role player. Um, you don't need, like, if you're a guy who shoots 40% from three on a good a number of attempts, you don't need to do anything else to be played in the NBA. And he's strong enough to defend wings. He's yes. a little shorter than you want, but he's got the body and build to kind yes. of stay in front of guys. So it's, you know, he might be shorter, but he can stick in front of threes. And he's got some athleticism. I don't know if you saw the dunk he had over Ja Morant. It wasn't a dunk on Ja because Ja got out of the way. He must have rose 40 inches in the air to dunk that ball. I'll send you that clip. He's got some He's got some pretty athletic moments. Yeah, so uh, for, for the Jazz, who got him from the Cavs straight, I think that's like a slight nugget you have to be excited about. Not as some like guy who's going to turn into a star, but just a guy you know can stay in lineups. Yeah. Um, and you know is not a waste because if they traded for a Coro, you know, then you're feeling kind of shitty yes. if you see Ochai doing what he's doing for them for the Cavs. So uh, that was a win. I think Ochai Baji is a Malik Beasley replacement. I think at his best, all he's doing is being a high level three point shooter um, who's got some really streaky moments. And, you know, getting rid of Malik Beasley and keeping a guy with that skill set, I don't mind it at all. I think it was a good move from the Jazz. I kind of like that, but Ochai, I think, could possibly be a little bit better at defense. So yeah. I. That's a win. Yeah, it's a win. Absolutely. Moving on to Mark Williams. Yeah. I give Mark Williams absolutely zero blame for the fact that it took the Hornets 34 games to play him serious NBA minutes. I'm giving Mark Williams an A. Yep. Um, you might be you might want to give him an A minus. I think that's fine. He's seven foot one and his standing reach is nine feet nine inches. And he can jump and he's athletic. I don't know what's wrong with Charlotte to wait so long to play him consistent minutes. Maybe you needed plum dogs value to go up so you could ship him. Um, but I love what I'm seeing from Mark Williams. I think you just nailed it because there was no excuse to not be playing Mark Williams. I think they were trying to drive up the value of plum dog, which is crazy <laughs> that that was like their mindset heading into the season instead of getting this very young, great, talented player minutes mm -hmm. Um, but like you said, since Mark Williams has joined this team, their defense has grown leaps and bounds. Uh, the way he can just protect the rim over and over and over again as a guy who's massive to start with, but also has a ridiculous vertical for the size he is. It is very difficult to get shots up over this guy. And this is a guy who's just really good at standing in the dunker spot and punishing rotating defenses too. There's not a ton to his game, right? Like I know he shoots it well from the free throw uh, free throw line. And every once in a while, he takes a jump shot, very rarely. But honestly, what he brings to the Hornets, they desperately need, and they've needed for years. He is an A for sure for me. Yeah, so I did a Mark Williams breakdown like two weeks ago, and at that point, he had taken 12 outside shots, outside of 10 feet. But he was shooting like, he had, out of those 12, he had hit like seven of them. Um, so the potential as a spacer seems to be there. When you watch him take a free throw line jumper, when you watch him shoot free throws, they're all comfortable. Um, yeah. So it's a similar thing with Jalen Duran, where like they're never going to have Mark Williams free throw line jumpers be a part of their offense. But if that's just an extra wrinkle that your center can do for you, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, moving on to AJ Griffin from the Hawks. Uh, I was pretty high on him as a player. And I think I've been rewarded just with the percentages. I think that kind of lends itself to what I was thinking he could be. He's shooting 47% from the floor, 38% from three. He's only playing 19 minutes a game, but he's averaging nine points. We've seen two game winners from him this season. That's very impressive stuff. Um, I think a part of this is like Atlanta's a mess right now. I just don't view them as a functional organization. I'm hoping that next year, Quinn Snyder can kind of find a way to work AJ Griffin into some more minutes. Cause I think that level of shooting would really help this Hawks team. Me and you have talked about it a lot of this season. Like the Hawks don't really shoot threes that well. 
If you have a guy like AJ Griffin on your team, you should probably be using him. So I gave him a C because he's not really being used, but he's kind of good at the things I already thought he was going to good at. Like he's kind of meeting my expectations, not surpassing them. That's fair. I think I'm going to give him a C plus to B minus because in the minutes we see from him, like he does exactly what you think he should do. He's a good point of attack defender. Um, Definitely could improve on that end, but I like what I've been seeing. And then the three point shot is there. 38% 38% from three. He's a three-level scorer. He's got a mid-range shot. He's got some rim finishing to him. Uh, but just the 19 minutes a game probably isn't enough. Uh, but in terms of other guys playing in that minute range, I'm really happy with what I'm seeing from AJ Griffin. He feels like a guy who should be getting more minutes right now. And you said it, like Atlanta's kind of a mess right now. I don't know if Quinn Snyder is immune to mutinies. Um, and we'll have to see. Atlanta is good at mutinies with their coaches. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they can give AJ Griffin the sort of minutes he deserves. Uh, Next up, we have Tari Eason for the Houston Rockets. Uh, We know how I think about the Houston Rockets as an organization, but Tari Eason in general, I think, was a slam dunk pick. Um, I think I would give him a B. Um, He was selected at 17, where you usually don't find a lot of value. He's shooting 46% from the floor, 35% from three, which is kind of what I expected. Uh, But he's just been a dog on the boards and on defense and he brings a culture to this team that it desperately needs for a team filled with guys who don't want to do the dirty work Tari Eason's doing all of it for him I love this pick for the Rockets yeah for a 6-8 guy to be rebounding the way he does is awesome the fact that there's a conversation about like between the third pick and the 17th pick which guy is the better player I think that tells you what you need to know about Tari Eason and about Jabari You know, Jabari has really struggled. Tari Eason from day one in the summer league, we were kind of like, all right, this guy's going to be good. Like you watched him just how comfortable he was in the summer league and you knew he had talent. Um, What did you give him? B minus? I gave him a B. Yeah. B. Okay. Yeah. I think B is totally fair. He shows really good two-way promise, but every, all of the shots are limited attempts. Um, So he's never going to be the guy for your team. He'll be like a fourth option probably at best but he does everything right. Uh, moving Next on to Dalen Terry. This is another one like Johnny Davis. Three, two, one. F. He stinks. Yeah. Moving on. Jake LaRavia, 391 minutes, probably also giving him an F. I am. Yes, I am giving him an F. Uh, when they selected him, I had no idea who he was. And, yeah. you know, me and you take this shit seriously, right? Like we're looking deep into the second round ranks on people. And like, I didn't see him. I, I knew nothing about this guy. So for him to get selected at 19, I was like, wow, they must really see something in him. He's been ass cheeks. Uh, he's been bad and they whiffed. Um, so F. <laughs> yes. I, nothing more needs to be said. Malachi Branham. I'm going to give go. him a C plus. Um, I think if we went just off pre all-star stats, it's an F and I'm really worried about whether or not he's a real NBA player, but nope. we're seeing some three level scoring from him. The three-point shot looks to be there. The mid-range shot is definitely there. The floaters are definitely there. I think probably C-plus is as high as I can go, though. I'm okay with you. I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, I was very high on Branham, and that's why I'm giving him a C-minus, just because I had some pretty lofty expectations for him as a rookie. Mm -hmm. Starting to see him kind of live into that right now. Of course, it's the end of the season, and some things are changing. Um, and he is on the worst team in the league or one of the worst teams in the league, but he's worked his way into the starting lineup with the Spurs. It's Tyus Jones, Malachi Branham and Devin Vassell. Uh, that's their three guard lineup. And um, I don't know. I like Branham, man. I think, you know, moving forward, I just think I've had this conversation with you on the podcast before, like instead of drafting a guy like, you know, Jalen Green at two, draft a guy like Malachi Branham or cam thomas in the past at 25 and you can kind of you know the value is so different in those two spots selecting those types of players i think for san antonio just hitting this kind of like home run pick with this guy to just fill up some buckets which they desperately need i i like the pick but i am going to give him a c just because he's kind of at my expectations not exceeding them yeah i think that's totally reasonable moving on to christian brown Um, if you don't watch him, if you haven't seen him play, 
you're not going to understand any sort of impact that he brings to basketball. Um, none of the stats look crazy. All of the shots are on limited attempts, but he's a great point of attack defender. He sticks to his man like glue around screens, and there yeah. is no stat that measures that. Um, Christian Brown, I think I'm going to give him a C as well. Okay, that's what I gave him as well. Uh, very similar reasoning. You know, super limited shots, basically all layups and catch and shoot threes. Great point of attack defender, tries his ass off. But there have been stints throughout the season that he's just been benched for like yeah. a couple weeks and then they bring him back. And it's like, if you were a staple, you're not sitting your ass on the bench, especially for that's not for the Nuggets bench that I've talked about. So like seeing him have to take a few weeks on the splinter kind of throws me off a bit. But honestly, I didn't think anything of him getting drafted. So for him being like a very valuable point of attack defender for this team is more than I expected. So I gave him the same rank. Christian Brown and Jake Laravia were two dudes where we like we, we were like, you're sure he's a first round pick? Really? That's where you took him? Yeah. Um, Christian Brown, there were better options for who you could have drafted at 21. But if he turns into a great point of attack defender for you, like that's what you've been looking for if you're the Nuggets. It's hard to find some stretch four like Jeremy Grant who can protect the rim a little bit for you um, and has a little bit of offensive skill. Like Christian Brown as a wing who can be a good point of attack defender that guy can get you minutes, could get serious minutes in the future if the offense gets consistent. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was a great pick because um, like now now the territory, we're in the 20s, right? It's very hard to find value. Yeah. Um, so Christian Braun, be, or Brown, sorry. I hate the way his name is spelled. Yeah, it's German. It's weird. Hate it. Uh, yeah. But he can provide value to a team that's trying to win a championship as a rookie. That is very rare. I'm very impressed. Uh, moving on to Walker Kessler. A plus, like unquestioned A plus. You draft him here at 22. Um, this guy is like legitimately in contention for being the best rim protector in the entire league. Um, he's very similar to Rudy Gobert. So maybe further down the line, we start to get a little annoyed with him and the lack of flexibility defensively he has. But as of right now, like he is just terrorizing people that come into the paint. And if you get that guy at 10, uh, 22 and he's averaging 11, 11 and three, like you've mentioned in other podcasts from the all-star break forward, that's a very valuable piece to your team. Yes. It took him a while to get consistent minutes. They were doing a very interesting offensive strategy over there in Utah with Kelly Olenek at the five. But now that they stick him in drop coverage and they just let him protect the rim, he's doing it incredibly. He's going to be top five among uh, total blocks by a rookie in this in 2000 since 2000 um, and he's doing it on limited minutes man I'm very very happy with Walker Kessler's production I want to give a shout out to you for saying early in this process when we watched Auburn when you watched Auburn play that Walker Kessler was the guy you noticed more than Jabari because um, yeah. nobody wanted to hear that when you said it and Walker Kessler's clearly better I'm also giving him an A plus yeah it, I, I'm very proud of that one I think you know, just to tap myself on the back a little bit more, I think big men are the one position that I've been kind of like absolutely good at identifying if they're an NBA player or not. Um, I think this draft, I was I was pretty on that as well. I think there's a lot of great big men to choose from. But yeah, Walker Kessler, unbelievable addition to Utah. And just before we move on from him, just for Utah fans looking forward, like the contract you have Walker Kessler on for being a defensive player of the year type player is just ridiculous. You're paying him $2 million a year. That's basically not even affecting your cap. If you find a way to either land a star player in the draft or somehow maneuver a free agent to Utah, which is very difficult, but they have the picks to do it or trade for a star, like you could have a plus-plus role player alongside Laurie Markkinen, who's a star, and whoever you bring in. That's potential championship recipe ridiculous that they're in this position at this stage of their rebuild it is it is really ridiculous that they traded rudy gobert for four first round picks and a guy that's better than rudy gobert <laughs> <laughs> it's really unbelievable the way that that worked out for them uh moving on 23rd pick david roddy when this happened so before the draft i think me and you were selling pretty much saying on this podcast david roddy's going to be a great second round pick like he's going to fall to like 36 and it's going to be incredible. And then he went to 23 and we both basically thought that was bad. Way too high to take a guy like that. What is David Roddy's skill set in the NBA? 
It's a really good question. I don't know. Uh, he is a forward. Uh, he is a small forward. He's a three. Um, six, six, 250 pounds. Yep. He's a small. <laughs> Big body Roddy. Putting yeah, up right now uh, 6.6 points, yeah. 2.6 rebounds. He's played yeah. a lot of minutes. Yeah, he's played a thousand minutes. Very respectable. Um, but moving forward, I am not sure what he adds to a team. I think, you know, you were expecting really efficient three-point shooting from him. That was one of the things in college that really stood out to people is that he was a big, big dude, but he was shooting the three so well. That has not translated. Um, and honestly, just efficiency in general hasn't translated. But, you know, the athleticism's there. The shooting stroke from college is there. You'd think maybe he pieces it together at some point. But you're right. Me and you weren't in love with this pick once we saw where he was selected. We liked him as a project. But as like a late first rounder, it seemed maybe a little too high. I gave him a C because I'm kind of just indifferent towards him. Okay. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect from him in the first place. So I, I went with C. I think C is fair. As a junior at Colorado State, he put up 19, 8, and 3, and he shot 44% from the three-point line. So you saw a big body who was kind of like Julius Randle out there doing a little bit of playmaking, driving hard to the hole, and then yeah. you put him in the NBA, and it's like, how do we, how do we, how does this work? What is this guy supposed to do? I don't think they figured it out yet. And the interesting thing, like just moving forward for me and your draft analysis, is I think sometimes these unique players in college – that go about their business in a strange or unusual way is sometimes like a massive red flag kind yeah. of waiting for you being like, Hey, like this might not translate. Not every time does it work out. I think Draymond Green's a kind of guy where his biggest question mark when he came into the NBA is who is he going to guard? What is he going to do? What is his role at six foot six? And you know, most of the time it probably doesn't work out. Right. Um, and you know, David Roddy, the fact that he's played a thousand minutes is kind of good for him. That's all I have That's to say. And honestly, that's why he gets a C from me because I didn't see that happening his rookie year and he's yeah. done it. So yeah. uh, moving on to Marjan Bochamp for the Bucks, um, I'm giving him a D. Uh, yes, we're heading into the late 20s territory, so you're not expecting a ton from these guys anyway. But the reason it's not an F is just because he plays pretty good defense. And when I see him out on the court, he fucking tries his ass off on the defensive end. But there is nothing offensively that I like about him. Uh, he is basically a layup merchant and a transition merchant. There is nothing going on in the half court that encourages me. Um, so, you know, we have a good lengthy defender that will take on really tough assignments and not bitch about it as a rookie. That's a great sign. Uh, but in terms of offense, like I'm not sure where he goes from where he is currently. And I think that's totally reasonable. And when we saw him as a prospect, we said, this is a guy who's going to be really long, who can play really good defense, but can he do a single thing offensively was kind of the question for him. And that's why he fell to 24. And, you know, so far, no, he probably can't do much offensively, but the defense and the length is there. Uh, moving on to Blake Wesley. I think this is an interesting one. No, you want to take it over? We can say it together. Okay. If you don't have F for this guy, you're crazy. I had, I haven't watched a single second. I just saw the 42% three-point percentage, and I was like, hold on. I had to pause for a second. Yeah, this guy's an F. I will take over here. This guy's an F. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in China very shortly. Ooh. This is not a guy you keep on a roster for very long. Um, yeah, that's that's my stance on him. Yeah, okay. For him and Malachi Branham to be picked four spots apart and for Malachi Branham to turn into a player and for Blake Wesley to play – you know, under four, under 500 minutes this season tells you what you need to know. And the reason San Antonio did that is they were just desperate for bucket makers. And mm -hmm. you know, what Branham brings is a little bit of defense and bucket making. Wesley is just there to shot Chuck and it means nothing to anything. I think he can play make better than uh, Branham. <laughs> um, I think that was what he was drafted to do anyway. Um. Brandon well, was a guy who was a pure bucket in college. I think Wesley was at least doing a little bit more facilitating. They're sitting at equal assist numbers, even though the minutes per game is so different for Brandon. But I've talked too much about Blake Wesley at this point. Let's move on to Wendell Moore Jr. Three, two, one, F. F. All right, Nikola Jovic. Um, I watched too much of him because his name was close to Jokic, and that's my guy. Uh, Nikola Jovic isn't doing really anything. Nothing. For a team that struggles with depth, I gave him an F. Yeah, uh, for a team that you just figured like a guy like this, the amount of absolute gems that they are able to find, um, you figured Nikola Jovic could do a little bit of something as a shooter, as an offensive guy. He's doing nothing. 
Right. And it, you know, the team that drafted him plays into his expectation a little bit. And you just mentioned it, right? Like Miami is notorious for drafting these guys and just growing them or like getting G League players to be positive contributors. Jovic, you kind of just like, all right, they know something we don't. And it turns out we kind of had the right idea. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Patrick Baldwin Jr. He's played the same amount of minutes as Jovic, but I'm not giving him an F. Uh, I'm going to give him a D plus or a C minus. I think it was kind of impossible for him to earn minutes in his situation on this Warriors team, but he's 6'10", 6'11", really good shooter, good shot creator from the perimeter. Um, at least, you know, there's flashes there. But D minus, D plus, that's probably the range. Yeah, for a rookie to like really break into a rotation of a team that's trying to win a championship, it's virtually unheard of. I think that's what makes the Brown situation for Denver pretty impressive, and that's yeah. why I gave him a C. Um, Baldwin's just not going to play a lot of minutes for this team, but we've seen that at 6'11", he shoots the three ball well. And that's kind of why I wanted him to go to either the Grizzlies or the Golden State Warriors at the end of the draft, uh, because teams can kind of like cultivate talent. And I think if he sits there, I mean, we've seen with the Warriors, they've kind of struggled with this in recent memory, but if they find a way to just make sure that Patrick Baldwin's not a poor defender and they can use his length and his three-point shooting to help them win games. Like, I'm encouraged for the future, but I do have to agree with you. Just because of lack of playing time, I did give him a D-plus as well. Yeah, okay. I think D-plus, you know, that's fine for 210 minutes. Uh, moving on, 29th pick, Ty Ty Washington Jr. I was a hater when this uh, – I think it was fine taking him at 29, but for yeah. a long time I was pretty adamant that Ty Ty Washington cannot be a top 20 pick. Yes. Um, the fact they picked him at 29, I think that's probably fine value. Uh, he's a guy I'm going to give a D minus to. I'm giving F. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving F. Um, he's decimating the G League right yeah. now. If anyone pays attention to G League stuff, like he is killing it down there. Yeah. What he has done in the NBA, though, has been pitiful. Um, he is an undersized guard that was kind of branded as a playmaker, but not really. Like he had one like 15 assist game. And I think that kind of changed his reputation as a player. Like this is a guy who likes to get shots up and can occasionally play make for others. Um, you know, we're talking about the 29th pick here, right? So we're not expecting him to be a superstar, but, yeah. you know, is he a G League lifer, like a Sharif Cooper type of guy where he just dominates the G League, but in NBA minutes doesn't really look cut out for it? That's kind of my mind on him right now. Don't know if that's fair or not, but that's just what I'm thinking. It's possible. I think the fact that he's been doing so well in the G League is why I can't give him an F. Sure. Um, when you're taken at the 29th pick, you're probably not getting a lot of NBA minutes your rookie year. And the fact that he's doing something at the level they play him at, I'm happy with that. But, you know, not much to say about Ty Ty Washington. Last one on the list, Peyton Watson. He yeah. had a workout with KD at the start of the season, uh, yeah. right in the offseason, right before the season started. And people were talking about Peyton Watson's your guy. He's a sick shot creator. He's yeah. played 44 minutes this year. Um, F, moving on. Wait, quickly though, because if we're not giving, I mean, if you're not giving Ty Ty Washington an F, you got to do the same thing for Watson because Watson's like a top five MVP candidate in the G League right now. So, you know, I don't, if he's playing 44 minutes in the NBA, I'm going to give him an F. But if if you like G League performance, this guy is fucking torching the G League. Um, so that could be a sleeper player that you see for OKC moving forward. I'm not sure if he's still on OKC. I, I, I think the Nuggets might have traded for him. I'm not sure what. Yes, he's a Nugget. He's a Nugget. Okay, so maybe that's a guy you actually see help improve the Nuggets bench next year. Um, but as of right now, I mean, 44 minutes in the NBA, I'm going to hand him an F, but maybe it's a name to keep an eye out for moving on. Yeah, I think probably he's an F and he's not a name to look out for moving on, but I think, I think that's fair. <laughs> Real quick, um, that's yeah. the top 30. We've got a couple honorable mentions to make in the second round. Andrew Nemhard at 31. He's top six in minutes played for rookies this year, putting up nine, three, and four, doing a little bit of playmaking, playing yep. serious minutes as a second round pick. It's yep. probably a B plus. That's what I had as well. Perfect. Yeah, B plus. Uh, just a little bit more on him. He had one of the crazier games of the season playing unbelievable, unbelievably well against the Warriors in an upset win. But honestly, he's just steady Freddie as a backup point guard. So that's a nice pick. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Williams, big man out of Arkansas, number one in the NBA in charges drawn in 700 minutes. 
and good passer and a good floor spacer. I honestly think if you put him next to Chet next year, there's a way that that works defensively. Yeah, uh, I think he's great at taking charges, like you said. Creative on offense. I'm not sure what he is as a player, though, because offensively he seems competent passing the ball, rebounding the ball. Scoring, maybe not so much. Maybe seems like a catch-and-shoot guy from three, and that's about it to me, at least. Mm-hmm. And then defensively, can he do more than take charges? Uh, he's He no. looks undersized. Yeah, he looks undersized, like just visually. I don't know actually how tall he is. I think he's 6'8". And that doesn't surprise me at all watching yeah. him. Like he looks undersized for that position. Um, so he's listed at 6'10, but let me just push back on the offense real quick. I think the offense is legit. Um, I think it's all in flash, is what we're seeing. But I mean, if you watch the way he's taking floaters, mid range shots, anything, anywhere, he just looks comfortable with all of his shots. The touch around the paint looks really nice. He's the yeah. kind of guy that plays below the rim at all times, but. I like his touch. I honestly, there's a world where his spacing is legit and you can play him next to Chet. Right. I think spacing's the key word there. Yeah. Um, I think he will be hovering around the three-point line. I don't think he will be doing much more than that basically his entire career. If this is, if he kind of projects out to what I think he will be, which is just, he might be like Cavs Kevin Love, honestly, at some point where he's just taking charges and hitting threes. Obviously, he won't be the shooter that Kevin Love was, but just like, I'm going to give you decent minutes on offense and I'm going to try to keep it afloat on defense at the center spot. Um, I don't think that's a horrible comparison. I don't know. I've heard a Boris Diaw comparison for Jalen Williams. Um I don't know, man. Offensively, I just think what he does is pretty. But moving on, Christian Coloco, big man for the Raptors. Uh, he's a backup to Jakob Pertl now. He had six blocks and a half, and that was really cool. Um, but he's probably nothing more than a good athletic shot blocker. I'm actually going to give him a D minus. Um, like, yeah, we're doing second grade, second rounders, right? But like the Raptors draft him. He's Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. The Raptors are desperate for center help and you can't really get him on the floor that's really to me that says a lot obviously again we're talking about second round guys here we're not expecting these guys to be great anyway but I know this podcast had a little bit more hopes for Christian Coloco than others yeah um so yeah I'm gonna say that's kind of a failure but there's time obviously there's time yeah, there's time. And who knows what he turns into. What I saw from him was just the combine stats. If you yeah. looked at the big men and you looked at the fastest agility time, he was in top five. If you looked at leaping ability, he was top five. If you looked like every stat, it felt like Christian Coloco was up there. But when I was watching games for Ben Matherin, like I was impressed by Coloco. He really changed games defensively and he allowed the perimeter defenders to take risks because if people got by them, he could really impact their shots at the rim. Yeah. I don't really think I've seen that at all. I mean, you said he had a six block game. That's great. If he can't get consistent minutes on a team that was literally dying for any type of center play, that says a lot to me. But again, like I mentioned before, this is a guy who's a second rounder. We just on this podcast liked him a little bit more than others. Yeah. Um, And I think that's probably it. I'm actually going to name Jaden Hardy. Uh, Went from being one or two ranked in high school to a second round pick after after a really slow start in the G League. Um, I think if you watched him last year, you knew he was an NBA player. But with Kyrie Irving brought to this team, like that's Jaden Hardy's role. What Kyrie does, that's what Jaden Hardy would hope to be one day. So it's really hard for him to ever get minutes for the rest of the season on this team. Yeah, and Jaden Hardy, um, to the Mavericks' credit, they don't deserve a lot of it, but to the Mavs' credit, like, they had no young players last year that anyone wanted a piece of. Like, no trade packages could be surrounded around any of the players on their team. It feels like Josh Green and Jaden Hardy are finally some young talent that people care about on the Mavericks besides Luka Doncic. Jaden Hardy showed flashes, and Josh Green's been really good in spotty minutes. I know he wasn't a part of this draft, but... Uh, good for Hardy for kind of overcoming his absolutely abysmal year in the G League. Um, and I think, honestly, Jaden Hardy and Jalen Green, you know, Jalen Green gets selected second, right? Scoot's going to get selected top three. But I think the Jaden Hardy experience might turn off like high school players that are trying to figure out what they want to do out of college because 
I don't know. Jalen Green hasn't looked awesome in the NBA for sure. Scoot, obviously something we need to see. And Jaden Hardy getting limited minutes. I'm not sure. But Jaden Hardy at least is a valuable young player um, that you selected at the 37th pick, where usually it means nothing to select guys from here. So I'd even argue that from a like if you're a player thinking where am I going to get drafted if I go to the G League that's fair to worry about but in terms of preparation for the NBA I think being playing for the G League Ignite did wonders for Jaden Hardy Um, for as slow as he started I think he improved game after game week after week and just playing against grown men I think prepared him for the NBA maybe more than college basketball even if dominating in college basketball would have raised his stock i kind of agree with you um all i can see in my head is the sub 33 point percentage and sub 40 field goal percentage that he had in the g league ignite um that is like the worst efficiency a basketball player can have so now so it's the same thing with scoot henderson actually which is that through the um showcase he was excellent but through the regular full season, he was terrible. So at the very end, like we had that thing in the showcase cup, Scoot Henderson was shooting like 46% or whatever. Um, We saw the same sort of thing with Jaden Hardy, where he picked it up a lot at the end of the year. It was just how slow and how poor he was at the start. Like nobody was ever going to give him that respect. Right. And to Jaden Hardy's credit, when he got drafted by the Mavericks, he went back down to the G League and absolutely fried the entire league until the point where the Mavs literally had to pull him up because yeah. he was dropping 37 a game down there and they drafted him to be a scorer. So I'm actually, I have high hopes for him shooting 42% from the field goal range, 37% from three. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a name that's at least worth talking about as potentially maybe becoming a Jordan Clarkson type. He's all offense. He's out there to score the ball. The playmaking is nice and flashes, but he'll never be a playmaker. Um, but I think that's really all the guys that matter. Um, you know, we missed a couple of names. If you like Max Christie, I'm sorry, I'm not talking about him. Um, but I think that's all the guys that really matter. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this draft class was really, really fun. Um, it is a deeper draft class than you would think. Uh, I remember when we were kind of starting to do our research for that, we kind of just saw a bunch of role players everywhere. And it wasn't as exciting as 2021, where you get basically superstar talent at the top. Um, but this draft worked out, man. Like a lot of teams got better because of this draft and there was a ton of talent throughout it. Yeah. I think it's, it's drafting is getting better. I think that's what's happening. Teams are getting better at drafting and there were a bunch of guys. Like it's not every year that you get a dozen guys that you can just slot into your team and they're productive role players. Um, you know, even if they don't all have the ceiling to be fringe all-stars or any higher than that, like the fact that, there's so many guys this year that I think will be staples in the NBA will play in the NBA for a long time. How often does that happen? I feel like. Right. It's not common. And it's in these last two drafts at last three drafts that me and you have really studied. We've seen a ton of role players come into the league and some superstars as well. Right. We have Anthony Edwards, Evan Mobley, Cade, you know, Jalen green, if you think that's going to happen, stuff like that. And you said, you mentioned something important that like, I want to just kind of end the podcast with like drafting's getting better, right? A lot of these teams made the correct pick at where they were, per, uh, where they were picking. Yeah. Um, you could argue Portland could really use Jeremy Sohan right now. Right. Of course. But they like, I'm still okay with that pick. We're just where they are as a franchise. The teams that don't make the right pick are fucking bad. Like Washington, they choose Johnny Davis. Imagine if they choose Jalen Williams instead or Jalen Duran or Mark yeah. Williams. And if you're Chicago and you take Dalen Terry, who's horrible and Walker Kessler goes four picks behind you and you could just completely revamp your team with Walker Kessler protecting the rim for you. It's just nuts. The teams that don't draft well get punished badly. Yes. There's a fun argument to be made about, you know, do you pick for fit? Do you get the plus role player or what you're supposed to do when you draft? Um, I think in every situation, if you pick a good player, but there's a great player that falls a couple spots lower, nobody cares. Um, So as long as you're picking a guy, you know, impacts winning to your team. I think you're always in a right spot. And we're just seeing more and more of that. And to, and to give those two teams credits, like the thought 
behind those picks made sense, right? Dalen Terry, he was Alonzo Ball insurance policy. Unfortunately, he's just bad at basketball, but they had the right idea of getting another six, seven guard that was defensive focused, yes. right? And then if you go to Washington, like they had Porzingis, they already had Daniel Gafford. They wanted a guy next to Beal that could defend guards. Johnny Davis just happens to be one of the worst draft picks ever. Um, so it's just the you're right drafting is getting better across the board and I think that's why we get to have these cool conversations later in the seasons where we're impressed with a lot of these guys yeah and just for maybe this is a thing we can end on the record for how quickly a lottery pick has been dropped by their team 818 days uh Anthony Bennett was dropped by the Cavs after 818 days on their squad so Johnny Davis could break that record uh, if there's any record he's breaking in the at all in the NBA that's going to be the one yeah uh he is atrocious i'm not trying i'm not here to pile on but holy <laughs> shit like wow that has gone poorly yes, um, but yeah, this has been an awesome draft i'm very looking forward to doing this next year with all the star power we have to talk about with next year's draft um anything else to say about this one before we get on out of here only that out of all of the lottery picks, out of all of the first round picks that we've talked about, I've done breakdowns for, I think, 21 of them at this point. So if you guys are interested in going on to the TikTok and watching, we just hit 5,000 followers the other day. And that is awesome. And to anybody who came here from that pod, from that TikTok, I'm very grateful for you and thank you. Um, and we'll keep up the content. All right. Thank you, guys. Peace. Peace.